to, as much as we can, to stay with natural. Uh, and to, as much as we can, to be natural. Um, and to be just with what is. And not kind of turning everything up uh, or turning everything down. But just just being here. So it's, it's really nice just to sit with you in this um, natural place, in this natural setting, <clears throat> and not having to turn anything up or any, anything down, but just to be with what is. Um, <clears throat> I've been uh, considering uh, lots of questions from folks who want to know why, why, why sit? Why, why do this? Why do this practice? And I suspect that were I to ask each of you why, you really wouldn't have a very clear answer. Um, and I think that's appropriate. I think sometimes we just find ourselves having passed through this gate uh, this gateless gate into uh, into this practice, and some people would attribute this to a karmic journey that in previous lives we were uh, we were training for this, and as we enter this life, this is the next this is the next step. Um, some people have various rationalizations. Uh, uh, but my understanding <clears throat> is that, and I have it down on the eraser board, that perfect makes practice. And we often say that practice makes perfect. That you practice something and you practice something and you practice and you keep practicing and you get better and better and better and better. This practice is a bit different from that. Not to say that it isn't important to practice, but you're not going to get anywhere except where you already are. So instead of considering that our pract- we're practicing in order to get more and more perfect, it is perhaps more accurate to say that we're practicing in order to express our perfection, in order to manifest our perfection. So that as we read uh, in the Coben's Introduction to Sitting Meditation, In this practice, there's no such should, should be. This should be. Where does this should come from? Our practice is to be with what is, not with what should be. That should be is is a kind of fantasy that we create for ourselves. It, it removes us from the what is of our lives. 
it's almost like creating our own individual movie in our heads where we're the producer, we're the director, we star in the movie, we review the movie, and we give ourselves an Academy Award. <laughs> we, we, we create this ideal, this should, and because and perhaps we internalize the shoulds that we are surrounded by culturally, you should look like this, you should behave like this, you should have this many children, you should have a relationship. I was just talking with someone uh, yesterday who has never been in a relationship, neither with the same sex or the opposite sex. And she is absolutely distraught you know, that she should have a relationship. Well, where does this come from? This, this is a fantasy. This is, could she be completely happy and satisfied by herself? I mean, it's not as if we're not in relationships. We're in relationships constantly. In fact, this is our life. Our life is completely taken up with relationships. But somehow this relationship, this romantic relationship or this special male-female relationship, somehow that should be. So we examine that, and, and this is just one of many shoulds uh, that somehow we think we need to change. We need to change in order to become that should. And Coben was saying, no. <laughs> you, are, you don't want to become a square bamboo. You don't want to become a squished newspaper. You, you want to become fully and wholly who you are and utterly accept your perfection as it is because that is truly all we have is just what is. And we can cause ourselves a lot of suffering by this, I've got to change, you know, all these self-help books that, that we're constantly bombarded with be a better person positive thinking you know get a get a uh, you know you go to yoga and, and improve yourself you know not to say that all of these activities aren't worth doing but do them in the right spirit that what however you do yoga that is perfect. That is perfect. So there's this um, this little anecdote about a university professor who um, I've, I think I've told this before, who had a seven-year-old daughter, and every morning at breakfast, uh, this professor would gather her books and her notes and her uh, equipment and leave the house to go and teach. And her little daughter 
one day said, Mom, where do you go every day? Um, and her mother said, well, I go to the university and I teach people, I teach adults how to sketch and how to draw and how to paint and how to make things, creative things. And the little girl said, you mean they forgot? <laughs> so we come to Owan to remember. It's not that we come here to get something we don't already have. We come here to remember all those things that are our birthright, that who, who we are. So, and, and this, is, this is, as Coben said in the introduction to sitting meditation, this is a religious way to live. This is a truly religious way to live, which sounds, you know, the tendency is the religious way to live is somehow moving into some sacred space beyond the ordinary, beyond our ordinary life. So we go to church or synagogue or mosque or wherever we happen to go and we're sort of lifted, lifted we enter this uh, special space to get in touch with what is sacred. In our practice, we find the sacred in the ordinary. It's not that we want to transform the ordinary into something sacred or looking for something mystical that we can say, oh, wow, that, that's, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, wow, in my sitting, I, and this happened to me one time, I, I was sitting early in my practice and I was having all these visions of uh, this, uh, actually I was seeing this like barbershop pole with blue Buddha heads just rotating uh, round and round and, and just sort of um, exuding this, this blue light and thought, wow, I'm really getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I walked into Dokusan with my teacher and I described this amazing experience. And ding, 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 go back. Go back to your sit seat. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. I mean, those things happen. It's sometimes called Mara. You know, this, these sort of delusions, that, these images that come up that you think, oh, wow, this is really special. This is, this is really, this is it. This is what it's about. Exactly the opposite. It's that if we, and, and people, you know, do take, all kinds of intoxicants and what have you to find this special place right here it's right here we are just not available to it we just don't remember it we're we're somehow in some kind of trance that we we can't notice 
the absolute miraculousness of every moment of our lives. The, the smallest, the smallest things. So, sometimes what happens is what I call a commodification of practice. That is, we, we regard it as um, a product that we consume or that we use in some way. That, that Zen practice is a, a thing like um, a pill that we take. We're stressed out. And instead of taking uh, Ativan, uh, we, we take Zen. We, we sit down and we, we calm our minds. Zen is not a pill. It's not a commodity. It's also not a therapy. It's as close to perhaps psychotherapy as any spiritual practice can be because it's considered transformative. So that it does transform your life, but it doesn't make you any better. It just makes me makes you more you. It makes you more authentic. It makes you more real. That is the sense. It doesn't make you this great, you know, like, amazing Zen master. This makes you an ordinary, wonderful, perfect, compassionate human being. Nor is it a badge that we wear. I'm a Buddhist, like Coben said this is not Buddhism, then what is it? I mean, we call it Buddhism, but we don't wear it as a badge. Yeah, this this could be taken as a badge. But as my teacher once said, this is really a target. This is not a badge, because people are going to be watching you. (laughs) And... It's not necessarily an, a mark of respect. It's saying, okay, I've taken some vows. Watch me. See how I behave. And boy, there's plenty of plenty of watching going on. And plenty of, oh, you didn't do that. And you look and you, you know, when you become a vegetarian, the first thing they say is, you're wearing a leather belt. You're wearing leather shoes. Well, you're always on. You're always on, as as anyone who pretends to be a teacher. So it's not a badge, and Buddha wasn't a Buddhist. He was, he was a man looking for liberation. Uh, And this is a way of liberation. A liberation of what? 
of forgetting who we really are, of freeing ourselves from the suffering of not knowing. Because when we, when we mistake who we are, we get into all kinds of trouble. And so when we remember who we are, we're much more likely to be happy, to live a happy life. So a lot of people want to associate practice with changes in the brain. And that may, a lot of people say, I want want to rewire my brain because they've done studies Right, of meditators whose brains have been transformed and their pathways have been strengthened and other pathways have been weakened. Fine. That is not what Zen is about. It's not about making something different. Nor is it what is often called positive thinking. So we don't come to Zen, as some people do, to change their negative way of thinking into a positive way of thinking. If there is a negative, or something we call negative, I'm not even sure what that means what it means to say something is that we're thinking negatively. That's a judgment. We have these thoughts. And there's no reason to change those thoughts. Why not? Because they are what they are. And change will be inevitable anyway. You cannot hold on to a thought if you tried. So, if you have something which is called a negative thought, if you stay present, it won't take but a couple seconds before that negative thought will disappear. So you don't have to try to change your thinking. All you have to do is stay with it and watch how it changes, because it will change all by itself. And some people think of Zen sort of as a hobby. Well, when I feel like it, I'll sit down or I'll come to come to Owan. It's a nice day. Uh, be nice to take a walk in the woods. Um, yeah, I can say that. I'm a, I'm a Zen Buddhist, I practice every now and then, but it's, you know, it's sort of on the periphery of my life. Zen is not a hobby. It is a way of life. And in the, in, in the sense of when we say we practice Zen, it's not quite like we practice making a pie crust. (laughs) Or we even practice riding a bike. 
we practice it and we get good at it and we do it every now and then. It's more like a medical practice. Someone who, a doctor who has a practice that consumes his or her life. So there's quite a bit of difference between having a medical practice and practicing riding a bike or even playing an instrument. So Zen practice is often called the way of liberation. It's a way, a way, like karate do is a way. It's a way of living. And it doesn't stop. Even if, you, even if you enter this path, once you've entered it, it's really hard to get off of it, even though you, you can. You definitely can. And I think some, I've heard um, one teacher say that and I think I've, I've said this before, that the, worst, the, the, the thing that is worse than entering the path is not completing it, not continuing. That's worse than not entering. So we've been brought here. We've been brought here to practice something that we need to remember. And we come together helping each other to remember who we really are. And then to, because we keep doing that, we, we remember and then we forget. And then we remember and then we forget. And we say we have these little <clears throat> insights. Uh, yes, yes. I see deeply, and then I forget. So we come back, and now we remember. And as we practice, we forget less, and we remember more. And as we remember more, our lives become more liberated and happy. As, as our birthright, as we have always been, always been, but happen to forget because of all kinds of causes and conditions that have affected us. And so we need Sangha, we need the teachings, we need teachers, we need animals, we need sunlight, we need all of these things to help us remember. So, remember. Let's keep remembering.